it's all covered in, in sand. So you not sand, but garbage footage, yeah. and you have to <laughs> to dig through it and, and and select what is best so people can see it. Hello, hello, and welcome to Cap to Reveal, the podcast where we discuss the editing art form and all the hurdles that go with that career path. My name is Piotr, and I'm here with my co-host, Ricky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, do you want to tell? <laughs> uh, do you want to, like, introduce our today's guest? It was going to be a secret, but I'll, I'll let you guys in on it. <laughs> so um, today we're talking with Rodrigo Brajal, or Brajan. He's a Brazilian Latino editor who's based in... Um, in LA, but and he has a myriad of, of credits from Brazil, but also he moved to the States probably like five years ago. He lives in LA, he worked in New York, but he's done stuff on Hulu, he's done stuff for Apple TV. Um, so he he gets around. He, you know, Amazon Studios, Peacock, long, long list. So he's he's very accomplished. Most recently, he edited the Selena Gomez um, documentary, which is on Apple TV. It's Selena Gomez, Mind, Mind, and Me. Um, so if you have Apple TV, you should definitely check it out because it's very, very good. Um, and with that, we're going to get right into it. So here's us talking with Rodrigo Brajal. I started in college. When I got there, like I was 18, I said, okay, I need to do something, like something hands-on. I want to I work on something. And then I found they were needing some volunteers, like all free, to <laughs> to help with the editing on the for the classes. And that's how I got in. And I never did anything else, uh, any other sort of job in the industry or outside. Everything that I ever done was <laughs> editing-related, like post-production or or assisting or but everything editing related so that's pretty much my whole my whole deal <laughs> then did you have a mentor did somebody uh, mentor you or just like people that you learn from or throughout the 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 years yeah like some different people like here in in, in LA I've been working very closely with uh James Haygood so it's been a, a good like partnership to work on before I moved to LA which was kind of crazy because with the pandemic, like everything went remote. So I was in New York, they were here in LA, but it was not a thing, like everybody was remotely, but I was already thinking to move. So I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, like to, to already know some people that are working in that like are in LA. And we did a documentary series for Amazon, it, uh, Always Jane, and it went very well. Like, so we ended up doing another job together when I came here to the city. And it has been like that ever since. And now I work at Union Editorial. It's a production company here in LA. And I work, I'm a staff editor here now. And we did like the, the Selena Gomez doc, like right after the Amazon one. Can I uh, go back to, to, you know, to you immigrating to the US? Because I'm like thinking like, what was it, was the big challenge for you? And like, do you have some takeaways of like what you would have done differently these days? When moving to LA, it was a very big one <laughs> because I, I had a a very stable career in Brazil, so I had a lot of good connections there, and I was working on, on good uh, prime TV shows for Brazil and Brazilian television. So I had a very solid career there. So it was like, oh, do we want to like throw all this? Because 
it is like to throw a little bit away to do the move but i really wanted to to try new new horizons let's say like this and i wasn't very happy living in brazil i don't know if you guys know brazil but it's it was going through a very bad political situation you had like it's it was still bad now it's hopefully getting better but, <laughs> but it was very bad and i said okay i i, I don't think i want to live here anymore and i got this opportunity i saw i knew uh the cinematographer that worked with this Brazilian American company, we've been working together in Brazil like for years and he moved here first. And I talked to him, do you think they need some help? He said, yeah, I think they do. And then I, I, I looked for it and emailed them and got here. But the hard part was that moving here, uh, first there's all the visa complications, right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, big complication, which I'm finishing uh, hopefully next year. The green card and stuff and when i transitioned to work on the american market it's different because people don't know they're like okay you worked for the show sounds good but <laughs> <laughs> never heard of this never heard of these yeah. people never heard of this tv channel i'm like yeah but the biggest tv channel in brazil is like 200 million people in brazil like people it's the biggest tv yeah but i don't know <laughs> so that transition was hard so when i was in new york i started to do some more independent stuff and I I ended up doing a very good feature, a documentary feature, an independent one in New York. Uh, it's called Forget Me Not. It's about the inclusive education of children with Down syndrome in New York City. I think it was the first one that I got from like American, real American job, not connected to Brazil. But it was tough. It was it took it took a while. Like I had to go through ads because I, I didn't know anybody here like i didn't have any contacts or people to even ask for a job and then came the pandemic like it was like it's like oh my god i just like i decided because you had to change visas right i had a visa that was attached to the company that i was working on and then i changed so i could work for anybody and exactly like i changed in 2019 so it was like it wasn't a good good year to do that but eventually it, i got to meet this also, the people here from United Store through an ad because they were they were really in need of people to work on the show. So and they trust me. Like I talked and explained my my career and stuff, and I think they saw through the 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 barrier of not being from here. What I learned is it's that's harder than I would expect to make people believe in your job when you're not from here. Unfortunately, I'm not saying that's everybody's fault, but. It's harder to to make people really trust you and say, okay, no, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm, I'm, it's it's not enough. You have to have like really some American credits. It's it's hard to do it, but it eventually happens. So I, I was able to do that. You won an Emmy, right? Recently. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, it's it's getting in the mail. They say that this week. But yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting. It's like, cause it was my birthday two days ago, and it was scheduled like to get it to delivered like on my birthday. I was like, wow, that's gonna be a cool birthday gift, but it's delayed. But yeah, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a New York Emmy, it's a regional Emmy for for New York productions. But yeah, we we won an Emmy for it was a documentary that we did about a Nigerian American artist. She was studying the relations with racism and the swimming pools in New York City. And she would also do paintings and she would paint the only 
uh, all-black senior synchronized swim team in Harlem. So that was connection with her and them, and she would thank them. So it was very cool. And yeah, I ended up winning a New York Emmy. It was very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. That's yeah. Cool. And happy birthday. Oh, happy thank birthday. you, too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you. And I'm like wondering, because like, you know, I feel that anyone who is trying to be a filmmaker and who is a filmmaker, I think they have this like, you know, moment in their, in their imagination when they get the award or something like that like did you have something like that how did it feel to you, like to get the, I wasn't the, so the award? I wasn't there because since it was the New York Hemis I wasn't in New York and and being honest with you I didn't think we were gonna win <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of surprised I was like whoa we, we, we won so I, I wasn't there so I'd say that it was more like it didn't sink in that much yet maybe when I when I touch the thing it will it will be more real but <laughs> But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I think it's it's. I hope the first of many. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Yeah, I mean you're no, incredible. List, like you said, you got 15 years, and you've you've already done you know a bunch of stuff for Hulu and all these other places. That it's just a matter of time. You're going to get more Emmys, big Emmys, not just regional ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the, this, they're even a little smaller, but. Uh, <laughs> But they're real Emmys. You can you're you're, you're Emmy winner because you you're you're a staff editor. Yes. Um, and just to get into uh, Selena Gomez, mm -hmm. you were one of six other editors that worked on it. Yes. So then, were you the lead editor on it, or was it, or how was the work? I guess divvied up and and the workflow and yeah. what were the challenges of that? There were two editors working on the project first, uh, Vern, uh, Vern Finken and Scott, and they were doing the first cut of the project and it extended obviously more than they were supposed to, to work on and they had to leave and we had to, to take uh, the project like after they need to leave. And so that, that was true. <laughs> and Danny, Danny Toll was also working because he knew Alec before. They, they'd done like works with uh, Madonna and they worked together. So Danny was always a part of the, the documentary. And he worked a lot on, on the scenes that we have, the concert and when Selena has a breakdown and we mix with the music and all that, the flashy moments and, and some of the journals that all like Danny's hand there. So Danny worked from beginning to end, I think. And I got in with James Haygood. He was a consulting and to work with Alec to make the, the documentary feel more humane in the sense that we wanted to be able to connect with Selena. So I had to, although they, he had a, a first cut, I think it was almost three hours. And, but we had to dig in back to the footage to, to look for those more humane moments where she would be more vulnerable and to make it possible for people to connect with her. Because it's, it's hard when you have someone that's a pop star to put her out of the pedestal so people can see her as a regular person. So that was one of the main things that I was tasked to do and to try to help with the movie. And after that, it, it, I, I eventually had to, to leave because the project was... <laughs> uh, when longer and David Brody and Anaya came in, but we ended up being able to work together for almost until the end of the the, the movie. But it was a very collaborative uh, process because it was not like separate. Let's say, oh, I was working on 
on only this section and David would be working only this and then I only that. Now we would switch and work and talk with Alec and also with uh, Paul Marchand. He was working a lot in the structure of the project. He was a writer and we all worked the four or five of us together and uh, with Alec. So it was, it was cool. It was a very collaborative one. Is that the first project that you worked on in that way? Um, not really. We, we've done different projects that even that we needed to enter the project after it was, they already had a cut to help finish the project and do some specific changes. But also in projects, they had one, more than one editor. And always Jane, we had the Amazon doc series. We had uh, five editors, I think, all working together in different episodes. And everybody ended up, yeah, helping. In the beginning, it was like each one with your episode. <laughs> but after that, it was all like a, a big mix. And recently, I also helped in the end of uh, Harry and Meghan, the Netflix show that just got released. So, yeah, and they had like a lot of it. It was a very big team. And this one, each one in, in your episode. But the same thing. We already had a cut. I was trying to work on to make it to the finish line. So it was... I think I'm getting used to, <laughs> to to do this work with a lot of people. <laughs> but yeah, before, no, before it's fun, because before it was more like you edit by yourself, It's it, which is good, but it's also good to be able to, to share work with somebody and have different point of views. So I think it could make you richer and, and more thoughtful. I think. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And I think the same thing is in regards to like working with somebody in this capacity where I'm looking at you on the screen as opposed to working with somebody in the room with you. It's yes. like a different feel where you can be productive in both ways, but there's also a more of a connection and a more of a strength when you're working with somebody or working with a team of people because then you've got more of a brainstorming session, like a writer's room of like, okay, what are we doing? What's the problem? Let's, let's get through this and stuff. And I feel like it's more inspiring in that yes. way because you get excited to be like, all right, we're going to tackle this together. And then, you know, and then you get an Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, it was good because they, we, the, for Selena, we were on the office. So it was, it was great because we had, we were able to share and Alec was able to go there and like we could talk and sit and discuss face to face, which is always better, in my opinion, to this creative process. So it was was very good. I was thinking, like, how much uh, writing was up to you, up to editors on that project, and how much of it was already like laid down. Uh... You mean you mean by Selena? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'd say bar- barely. Okay, not really. Uh, I think we had a lot of uh, uh, creative liberty from Alec uh, to to try to tackle his vision. And we would work on and build the scenes and he would come in and specifically like guide us toward what his vision for the movie was, the, the main message, the mental health and how like we kind of make these people also feel seen from what's happening with Selena. But from Selena herself, no, we, not really. She saw, she saw from what I, I was involved. She saw the movie, and and that was she really liked it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. It's that, that it's that's why probably it's very vulnerable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, she really trusts us. To, yeah, to I was going to say that takes a lot of a lot of trust and yes. courage on her part to be like, that's okay, 
Yeah. And then just show yeah. me what you guys do, and then you yeah. can improve it, or you know. Yeah, yeah, she was involved, but but not but not in a in a sense that people would think like going there. I don't know, like proving every step. But no, she really trusts Alec, and and he was very thoughtful of what we should do and not do, and mm -hmm. what it was needed mm -hmm. for the movie, and what we needed to show or not. Mm -hmm. So, I think it was a very, in the end, it was a very good film regarding her also her privacy and not needing to explore mm -hmm. things that weren't necessary yeah yeah i was I, had, I watched a little bit of it before we were talking right now and uh you had said that be, the previous cut was not as didn't show her as vulnerable in such a way and i was like and i'm just thinking like because it just comes right out of the gate with her being vulnerable so i'm like what was the first cut of this like if she you know because the the themes and you know the whole story about her is and where it's coming from is super heavy so it's like how how does you know I'm, I'm this is kind of rhetorical but it's just very interesting like where how how can it be how can that subject be less vulnerable or how can the character or you know what i mean it's just like it's it very interesting to hear you say that it's it's not that that the cut wasn't she wasn't vulnerable it's just like yeah. i think as in editing since it was we had a lot of stuff, like we had a mm -hmm. lot of footage and main, especially from the revival tour, the first part of the movie, a big chunk of the movie could be that and, and also like the tour and all the things that happened there. But that wasn't necessarily the focus of the movie that Alec wanted to make. Uh, so I'd say that's not that she wasn't vulnerable from the beginning because she, she, she is a very open person, not just on camera. So I think it, it was... That when you have a lot of stuff, that's the, the magic, I think, from the editing, which is trimming and cutting to, to guide the viewer to to the points that we wanted. So it would it would flow better and even like extending or curbing some scenes so you could feel more uh, just the specific parts that uh, would translate the vision for the movie. So I think that was more like uh, what n wasn't necessary because it's all cool, it's all good. We had like all good, great scene and great stuff, uh, but some stuff were not what the movie needed to be. So I'd say that's more that. And also constructing some some of the scenes in a sense that you have the the real feel of what's happening there and not just not just a regular pop star documentary. That's was one of the things that we try to do too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, how much preparation did you did for the project? Like, did you did you did you have like a specific process of preparation for this project? You mean like uh, uh, like reading stuff and yeah, like getting to know like you know what Selena does and like you know her. Uh music and things she did i did i did i always do a little bit depending on, on this the the topic so yeah i just but but not not much because i also didn't want to influence myself with uh how her life had been before and, and the pop star situation but but i learned a lot actually so if i'd say that I, I try to read a little bit always from any type of of thing that i work on so I can also like enter the, that that mood of okay, this is what's gonna be in my life for the next. I don't know. In this case, eight months. I don't know how long it was. But, but that that's it. I'd say that that. But not not a big prep. No, 
So along, along with that, in regards to preparing yourself, how do you then stay productive? I mean, you're working with a kind of a team of people. So I imagine that it's much easier considering you're like going into an office, I assume, mm-hmm. every day or more so than other people, than, more so than Peter and I, which are, you know, we're calling and talking to you from our offices, also our homes. But like, how do you kind of stay productive and how do you cultivate staying productive? You mean like throughout the process? Yeah, or just in general, like when you when you're sitting down to a project, you just said you, you know, you read up on stuff so you're kind of like in the mood Mm -hmm. to start editing whatever but then um do you find that you once you start getting into a project that you stay focused or do you kind of like get distracted and wander off and you're like you know what i'm gonna do this but you know i'll come back (laughs) (laughs) is is that that hard or is it is it easy or or tell us what do you think yeah i think that's a very hard part of editing in general i'd say because it's a very sometimes for people outside of it, it could look like a very boring job, right? Because you're gonna watch the same thing over and over and over and over again. Although there's a lot of footage to watch, especially in documentaries, sometimes you're just like, okay, I've seen this all, and you have to keep your your mind fresh because you have always to have the perspective of somebody that will watch this for the first time because you can just get bored. So okay, all oh, this scene looks long because maybe because you've seen it. 3,000 times, but it's it's not long. It's just bored of it. So yes, it's it's a hard... I don't know how to explain that, but it's a thing that I try to get uh, very cautious about to try to put myself back and remember my first impression. So I usually, when I watch something for the first time, I usually do a lot of notes of my first reaction. So I'm watching this for the first time. So I'm writing, writing, writing a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about so I can remember how I was feeling uh, when I saw this for the first time. And I think what I try to do with my edit is translate that first feeling that I have mixed with what the, the vision for the film or the, the series is and try to keep it alive. Because sometimes you can chop, chop, chop stuff and you just, you think that it's still there because you have that previous knowledge and the knowledge from all the footage that you've seen. But you have to put yourself in the audience chair to understand what really is missing for the people to have the same impression as you did but without watching 100 hours of footage so i'm always focused and cautious to keep myself alert of trying to keep that there but like about being productive uh like when i'm editing some stuff sometimes you, you just get bored of doing one part of the thing so i'll stop okay i don't want to do this part anymore right now and so i'll move to to do something else and, and and on the project itself and then i can come back and have different opinions for what i was working on but i tend to to go back and, and forth and, and the sequence so i don't get that bored because it, it could be tiresome a little bit <laughs> yeah I understand. When you take those notes um, on, on your, you know, first impressions when you watch something, right? How do you organize those notes? Do you, do you just do them in the written form, or do you like put markers on the timeline, or how how do you organize those notes? Well, I do both things. Like I usually, I hundred percent always do written because that that's the first thing that I do. I just I like to write it, so I write it all down. And usually I put it on, after that, I'm going to put it on the sequence with markers. I'm going to ask the assistant, somebody to do that. But I usually have it on 
the so I can go there and and take a look back then. I mean, when it's a project that I'm doing, like for example, in Selena Wonder, we had a lot of people. I didn't I didn't put my notes there, but I <laughs> like I had it written so I could take a look whenever I, I thought things were like, oh, I think this about that, and that's it. Just curious, working with so many people, what was your workflow? Did you guys have like a shared project or like a team project? I I don't know what you were using to cut on, but how did that work? Not getting lost in iterations or like this is Rodrigo's version and here's somebody else's version. Wait, this is this is an R. Oh, well, I don't know who this is. Or you know, just that. Yeah, it seems like such a. I don't know. It could be. It could turn into a mess. <laughs> it could. It definitely could. Uh, it didn't though, but it could. You have to have. I think you you have to be very. We were using Avid. I think Avid's very good for that, and you have to have a good team. Like our assistants were very good, like uh, Shelly Rose and Amruta. They were great to also keep everything organized. And uh, I'd say that we didn't mix things because. Although we shared the work, like if David was working on something or I was working on something, I wouldn't be working at the same thing at the same time. It would be more like adding different layers to the work, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not like, uh, it's not also revising somebody's work. It's just like, okay, we, we were changing and moving pieces forward. However, it, it was better for the project itself for, for Alec, but we weren't, we were not going to work in exactly the same scene at the same time. That would be complicated. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nightmare. But yeah, but <laughs> but I've I've done it before with uh, other projects, even in Premiere, and I think I think Avid works better in that way because Premiere I think would let you even do changes at the same time, the same sequence. So it's like, ooh, that's that's weird. But I think you cannot do that on Avid. If you have a bin open, you you don't do that. I mean you could, but you won't be able to save it the same place. But yeah, yeah. yeah but it's yeah, you, it was, you can it was, walk it was, it was smooth. These days you can, uh, but like they, 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 I think they, they try to copy what you know Avid does, and they, they created this like production workflow. And in, in the production yes. workflow, you can actually like lock a sequence. Uh, Got it. Yeah, yeah. I never used the product. I used the teams. I think it was before yeah, the production. The team That's what we used. Yeah. To, for example, that it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, I used so. Premiere like way more than than. Avid before, like I started editing on Final Cut Seven, like back there in, in college. They even had the magnetic, like you were saying, the magnetic tapes, and you would do the. But I didn't, I didn't use that much. The Moviola, no, but but the magnetic ones. Mm-hmm. They, they were like, nobody want to learn yeah. this thing. I said, yeah, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> but I learned the Final Cut uh, Seven, but the, it wasn't Seven back then. Was I don't know two, <laughs> I don't know. but but it ended. When it, in Final Cut Seven, and then I switched to Premiere, and then eventually here in the U.S., I I started working more on Avid. I've, I've worked on Avid before, but not like one project after the other. And I'd say that here, especially here in LA, all projects I've done they're all in Avid. I mean, especially when when there is a lot of collaboration included, right? Yes. Then, then Avid really yeah. like has advantages over other MLEs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess that's, that's the main reason why it's still like, you know, the, the, the golden standard in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it is a little, 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, it just has yeah, all these things of, yeah. that like are very Avid specific, like you know, like yeah. this whole codec thing, and like yeah, <laughs> and you, like, you know, I really like Avid though. And... Yeah, but it's, it can be a beast sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it has advantages. Like you, yes, you... it depends on the project. Like we done, uh, I've like you, you were saying, Ricardo. I I I worked on many different type of projects before especially in Brazil, like here in the US, I've, I've done mostly documentaries. The Hulu show wasn't a doc, it was more like a musical narrative stuff. But uh, but in Brazil, I've done a lot of different stuff. I've done like uh, music videos, I've done like uh, scripted TV shows. And I think that for Avid, if you're doing something that's scripted, like if you have to have two different shots and, and it's very good for trimming and to know exactly uh, like continuity and this kind of stuff, it's it's very good to work on. So, but yeah, Premiere yeah. is also very good if you want to just dump a lot of different media exactly. in your project and, and, and don't just, worry about it just mixing works. frame yeah, rates, exactly. resolutions, and they're, they're stuff all, like that. They're, they're all good. They're all just hammers anyway. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the reel, uh, like you know, using a reel as a film editor, because I uh, on your website you have like a reel from 2019, and I guess you don't need a newer one because you're well established in the industry right now. Uh, but I'm thinking, like, what's your take on having a reel as an editor these days? Uh, is it more important than resume, uh, resume, or is it less important than the resume? And if it's like you know still relevant for for people who are not as well established in their mm-hmm. area, uh, how would you how would you go about creating one these days? Yeah, so my my website's totally not updated. I stopped in like 2018. I know, I know. I, but I, yeah, I realized. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still living in New York. My website. But uh, <laughs> but it's totally what you said. I think I didn't need it to update it anymore. Uh, the reel and as an editor, like personally, I don't think the reel is is good if you're trying to do some sort of works. Like if you're trying to do scripted and documentary, I don't think a reel is that useful because it doesn't really show your editing skills of editing exactly. a documentary yeah. or editing a comedy or it just shows your editing skills of doing it real <laughs> which is good if you're working on a short format or like commercial stuff i think that's that's very good to have a reel just to show you could have a reel also to show like the different types of places you worked on or different networks but i guess like the uh, a good resume is enough so i personally don't think it's necessary but when I was just changing jobs and I didn't know anybody, like how to, like how am I gonna get a job? So I said, okay, I have to do a website. And and some of the places that I applied for jobs, they wanted reels. And back then, I was looking for any sort of American job so I can do that transition. And I even worked in one commercial. I think it was tight, not not a commercial, but it was like a cor- corporate corporate videos. And those, the people were asking for a reel. So I did a reel, although my reel is kind of, you see, like it has all the things that I've done. Like like you said, I think I've done everything, but not porn. But, <laughs> uh, and so it's weird because it, I don't know, I, I don't like reels. It's, it's kind of, uh, uh, I don't think they're useful. And for the other jobs, for example, when I started working here at Union, they didn't ask me for a reel. They asked me for pieces of, of which makes way more sense. Like, oh, you did a documentary about 
this so can you show us a piece of that like five minutes or something i think that's more useful when you have this this the work to show so it's that's it but i don't like reels i'm gonna take it down <laughs> <laughs> to go back in regards to more of your process sure how do you assemble your scenes when you start working on a project and what's the difference or what have you noticed the difference between kind of assembling scenes for a documentary as opposed to scripted TV. Okay. Wow, it's very different, right? And I think the documentary, I really love to watch the whole thing, like everything, every little details, because you have, you could have some shots and expressions that could tell a lot more than some words. You could see the person reacting. It's for scripted too, but that's more like, it has a script, so it's kind of yeah. different. But yeah. for documentary, it's so good to watch the whole thing. So you can say, wow, this this moment that's this person stopped and did this, it really reflects what they're, I don't know, X, Y, and Z that we want to say. So I separate. I really separate stuff. But really, I do I do a watch down and I select. And I, don't, I try to not break the order of things at first. But I'd say that I like I was saying, to have the first impression. So I know that when I watch something, this, you have like the moment that you watch and I say, okay, this has to make the cut, the first at least. Like, <laughs> and you separate that thing, I don't know, market somehow. And, and then I try to see what's gonna work best to introduce that specific moment and to get out of that specific moment. So I say that I have pivotal moments throughout the footage that I, I know that they would work to tell the story. And I try to work around how do, how do I connect these pieces that I think they're pivotal for the story. So I'd say I go first and do a, a full select. And after that, I would do another select to separate the specific pivotal moments. And after I have them and say, okay, how do I connect a, B, and C, because they are not necessarily uh, connected, but they are connected through the theme or the story, but they're not necessarily connected through images. So that that makes it a little difficult. For scripted, I think it's it goes a lot for me for the performance. In Brazil, I did a lot of seasons for comedy shows, and it, it goes really for the timing. And you see if the actors are interacting well, and then you have to see, okay, is is this going to fit? Like, this is the great shot that I have the act, this actor A doing this and this is the actor B doing that. But uh, are they fitting? No. If they're not fitting, I'm going to say, okay, which one is the best that I have to keep on? Or sometimes you can do, for scripted, it's easier to do a lot of, like, moving pieces around and changing the audio just to, to make it, it work from different scenes. But I'd say that the process kind of similar, right? It's You have to choose what's the best. Like this is, and the best thing was, it's gonna lead all the things after it. I have the good one here. And so, oh, this too, and then this, and then you go to reach that specific goal. So I'd say that's it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I hope it was clear, because sometimes yeah. Yeah, it's hard to explain. You're the first person to basically visually pose it as like a branching like a tree yes like this is your this is your main idea and then it basically branches off branches yeah, off, yeah. branches off great yeah <laughs> thanks that's a good image yeah yeah uh, we, we, 
uh, Rodrigo, we like to ask about like favorite inspirations or favorite filmmaking or editing books. Do you have something like that? Inspirations, I don't know, because I think I draw inspiration from everything, especially from from real life. I really like to observe life and how people interact with each other. So I think that's why I don't get that bored editing, because you're always watching people interact and 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 what's the subtext of the stuff. So I think that's my main inspirations just to to observe what happens in the subtext and what people are doing so i think it's very fascinating for me but i have a lot of favorite uh films and filmmakers and i have one specific but i really like uh hitchcock i really love vertigo i have a okay. a, a vertigo tattoo oh i cannot oh. show you sorry yeah. it's, it's in my arm but and it's uh, i also love bergman like ingmar bergman So it's, he's probably one of my favorite directors because it has a lot of this, like how people, it's about feelings and it's all, it's very heavy stuff. I really like that. And I try to feed my brain with a lot of different stuff to, to be able to tackle different types of work. Cool. Did you have that? I mean, I mean, Hitchcock is huge, but Ingmar Bergman is It's kind of, a, I, in my opinion, is kind of a deep cut. Like, you know, you're not going to get a lot of people who are like, Ingmar Bergman, he's the, oh, man, can't get enough of him, you know? <laughs> I mean, was, but did that, I mean, you becoming an editor, you already had a love of film that that kind of pushed you in that direction anyway, that you were like, okay, I'm, you know, I like what I'm seeing. Oh, yes. What, I like what Ingmar is doing, and I like what, you know, Hitchcock's doing, and so I want to kind of get into that or start dabbling in that. Yes, totally. I always I was watching this type of movies when I was I don't know, 16, 15. So I really loved all, all that stuff. I would go to the I don't know how you call that here, the, the place that you go to rent videos, like rent video store. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to translate that. The video store? The video yeah, store. Yeah, the ones that have the v VHS and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Back then, so then the DVDs and but I would do that all the time and, and I was crazy and I was already watching this old black and white movies and so that was the thing that I really wanted to do and I thought okay maybe that's what I, I should work on right I really like this stuff and 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 that ended up being what I did but when I got to college I actually went to college thinking I was going to do journalism But in Brazil, the, my course, the one that I did is communication, and they have different branches. One branch was journalism, and the other one was television and, and, and film. So when I was there, I said, oh, no, I don't want to do journalism. I'm going to do this. It's, it's way better. <laughs> so I ended up doing it. So it was, it was a good choice. But when I was a kid, I always say that like, I really wanted to, do a, a, to be like an archaeologist or paleontologists like to dig I really love history and and to I don't know dig things and, and ancient Egyptian dinosaurs like dinosaurs could be a lot from Jurassic Park I was I was a kid in Jurassic Park anyway, <laughs> so I was very fascinated with the movie and and with I don't know I wanted to do that and I and I think sometimes that I ended up still having a little influence from that in my work, especially when you have a documentary, because you have like the species that I was saying, okay, this is very important. I'm going to put there. They're covered with with things and dust that you have to dig in and try to separate and, and cut it in a way that, okay, this is going to, oh, now it looks perfect. Now I can see it. So I think it had a little influence even on 
choosing like editing. I don't know. I might be thinking uh, too much about great. it, but I think <laughs> I think that's a great. I think that's a great analogy. That's the first yeah. archaeo- archaeological archaeological. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is. It's all covered in, in sand. So you yeah. not sand, but garbage footage, yeah. and you have to <laughs> to dig through it and, and and select what is best so people can yeah. see it. Uh, okay, Rodrigo, any any final thoughts or like takeaways from you know from working on Gomez, um my mind and me? I don't know. I learned a lot of how to look at somebody with different lens than what's the first thing that you learn in the in the media. So I learned how how hard can this can be. I didn't. I really didn't realize how hard it could be alive. Because when you look at the first, you just say, "Okay, it's good. You're famous. You're rich," and but it's it has so much under it that you have to deal with uh, 24-7 and uh, I really learned to value I'd say my privacy and and the way that I, I, I did it before I think we take for granted just to be able to do a lot of things I don't know just walk and go to a supermarket and stuff I don't think she can do that and not her but any other famous people although they have a lot of stuff that we don't have but I think I learned to to value a lot of my privacy and also to to see that it's important to acknowledge that okay I'm not feeling well today and and I can do something about it or not so it was it was a good takeaway for me from doing this job to I don't know to have a a good look at my own life and how I feel good or not about certain things and and how it's important to you to talk and to ask people how how they're feeling like are you okay today are you really okay like and and to give space or not if they want i don't know just to to be more mindful about other people's mental health yeah especially once you, you your bookshelf is full of emmys one day right then you yeah no. <laughs> how many emmys yeah. how many emmys is too much rodrigo how many emmys is too much one is enough it's okay one is good <laughs> Okay, perfect. Have, Rodrigo, thank you. I have one more question. Rodrigo, what is your dream project? Oh, a project that maybe hasn't been either a project that you were like, oh, I wish I got to work on that, or a project that you're like, has not come out yet. Like, you know, the dinosaur documentary. Jurassic that you Park? Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. But the first one, the first one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not going to happen. But no, Jurassic Park needs no remakes. Uh, I really like it, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's, I don't know, I'd say something that I really, I don't know how to do it. I don't have like a specific goal, but I really like to do things that I, I enjoy also as a viewer. So that's that's always my, my dream project. And it, it happens eventually. It's like this job, like the Selena movie, I really love doing it. And it was a film that I would enjoy watching being a viewer. So I think that's the good things that I, I try to, to do to work on something that I also would like to see. My dream project is always doing that. Yeah. <laughs> True. Thank you. Thank That's you, Rodrigo. Where can people Thank follow you. your work? And, and uh, see your reel. Where can people see your reel? My reel? No, don't see my reel. <laughs> you can see my <laughs> you can see my work on my, on my website. But uh, I had Instagram, but I it's still there, but I lost access to it. It's a very very sad story, but I lo- I changed oh phones goodness. and I lost access to my Instagram. Like the two-step wow. verification was dumb, so I'd say follow me on Instagram, but I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but 
So that's it. You can follow my work on Facebook, maybe. <laughs> but nobody. He's got Facebook. an IMDb. You can IMDb, IMDb, you can look too. me up. Oh, IMDb. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Thanks, guys. It, it was very fun. Rodrigo was awesome to talk to because he had very different, not ideas, but some of the things he was talking about, like how he was writing down notes and then his illustration, not really illustration, but the way he described about how he uncovers like the story, I thought was very interesting. Like the, the, the analogy to a, a paleontologist or an archaeologist, but also where he was kind of visualizing almost... I want to say a pyramid scheme, but it's not a pyramid scheme, but like he's got one main idea and then he's got branches coming out of it. So more of like a, a tree, a tree. I thought that was really interesting. And plus, I don't know, he was just great that he won an Emmy and we were joshing him about Emmys. He he was a great guy. I would definitely I mean, talk to him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I'd mean, hang out with him. <laughs> for, for for documentaries, like you, you do have this like, a, like the branches, like relationship between, you know, different parts of the story that you want to eventually bring together and intercut and things like that. So yeah, the, the illustration of, of the branches of the story, very good, very good one. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> I also liked his, the, what he said about awareness and perspective. Um, I think that whenever you're doing a documentary that you always, especially if it's something that you're not too familiar with, like everybody kind of knows who Selena Gomez is, but you know, this is a, this documentary is basically a memoir of somebody that you kind of see peripherally or just like I know of them. But then when you really dig deep with like a person who is as famous as she is, you know, you get, there's an awareness and kind of it forces perspective on your life. Like I acknowledge and I know who this person is in a way and I can kind of apathize. Is that right? Empathize with them and that I wish I, it's, it's hard. There's a struggle to it. You know, that people are just like, oh, you're rich and that makes things easier. But in actuality, it's like, as uh, I forgot who said it, a wise person once said, uh, more money, more problems. So that, you know, it's stuff like that. I thought that that was very interesting how um, Rodrigo was like, talked about perspective and awareness in, in, you know, that he learned on the project. Yeah. Uh, another quote I think I've heard somewhere is like, you know, you people say that you, you know, distinguish the best friends, like who's your friend, who's your, who's not your friend when you're in poverty, right? But the opposite is true as well. In a great success, you also like, you know, get to know who's really a friend and who's not, right? And I think that famous people struggle with this. Like, you know, they, they the real friends are exposed <laughs> and like, you know, who's the real friend and who's just there to, you know, be on your shoulders when you, you know, succeed. Right. I don't know. Like, that's just something that popped into my head. No, it's, anyway, it's interesting. Anyway, it's interesting. this, this was one of, you know, those between season episodes. So thank you for listening to that. Uh, we're working with Ricardo. We'll be, we will be working actually because we haven't started yet on another season of the podcast soon. So again, if you have any suggestions for the future, uh, let us know. Let us know. There, there are links in the description to the SpeakPipe, uh, to our like email address, things like that. So check this out and let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear from, hear from you. Take care, everybody.
Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, or subscribe on whatever platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help other editors to discover the show and tell your friends. Also, if you have any questions or comments, leave us a message at SpeakPipe. There's a link in the description or email us at podcast at cuttothepoint.com. 